the gift of sight is a, is a wonderful thing, especially at Christmas time. Imagine not being able to, to see the lights and not being able to, to just see the joy that, that comes to people at this time of year. I know that you probably know that occasionally I enjoy seeing pictures of my granddaughter, Caroline. Occasionally. <laughs> like every day. <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like not to be able to, to see that face and, and not to be able to, to see what she's into and what she's involved with. I just have to imagine all that in my mind. Just the fact that if, if I didn't have my sight, that everything in God's creation I w- would have to imagine. Uh, colors, be no reference point. The sunsets, the, the, just the beauty of the, of the mountains. All of those things... I would have no concept of because I I, I had no reference point because I couldn't see them. And so when I think of of the gift of sight, I just rejoice that that I can see. John, in his gospel, takes a whole chapter, chapter 9, to talk about blindness. And you wonder, well, why would John take a whole chapter to talk about people who were unable to see. Well, one particular reason is the fact that Jesus came claiming to be the Messiah. And one of the prophecies about Messiah was that he would come and blind people would be able to see. So if you are claiming to be Messiah then you had better be about fulfilling messianic prophecy. Here's one of them in Isaiah 35, verse 5. Isaiah prophesies, Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. John, indeed, in chapter 9, talks about someone who was physically blind. But the bulk of chapter 9, John spends talking about another kind of blindness. It's a deadly form of blindness because it doesn't affect our physical sight, but it affects our spiritual sight, and it affects our relationship with God. That spiritual blindness is something that all of us are born with. We're all born spiritually blind. But as we'll see today, there is hope both for those who are physically blind and for those who are spiritually blind. Here's how John starts chapter 9 of his gospel. As he went along, speaking of Jesus... He saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, the disciples are not spiritually blind, but they do have some vision problems on occasion when it comes to seeing exactly what Jesus is about. In fact, There was a a common belief during this time that if someone suffered from some illness or some disability, that it was because of some sin in their life. 
or it was because their parents had sinned and, and maybe they were suffering the consequences of that. So it's not totally uh, uncommon for people to, to think that during that time. But here's what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Listen to their question again. Who sinned, this person or his parents? Well, the first part of that is kind of bizarre because how could you sin before you were born if he was born blind? But, but here's, here's the whole thing. Jesus says to them, you're not asking the right question. The question you're asking, Jesus says, is one that only has two possible answers. You're assuming that somebody is to blame for this. And Jesus says, I didn't come to lay blame. I didn't come to decide if this man or his parents had sinned. What I came to do was to perform the works that bring glory to God. And so in Jesus' mind, this blindness is an opportunity for him to display the glory of God. In verse 6, he says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I, I do find that interesting. The, the man can see for the first time in his life. Just imagine that. You have never seen anything in your life, and all of a sudden you can see. Imagine the joy that this man must have felt, the excitement of being able to see. But all John says about it is that he did what Jesus told him to do, and he came home seeing. It seems kind of anticlimactic. But maybe John is matter-of-fact about it simply because he really wants to get on to the important message that's going to be a part of all of this. And that's the idea of spiritual blindness. There's a great hymn that is enjoyed by all generations. It says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That was written by John Newton. John Newton says that he was blind. But John Newton had never been physically blind. But yet he says in his hymn that he was blind, but now he sees. He was referring to spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness, the inability to see and understand spiritual truth. Especially the truth that he was a sinner. And that Jesus Christ had died for his sins. When this blind man receives his sight... Scripture tells us that he returns home. And all his neighbors see him. And his neighbors are kind of conflicted because they get into kind of a little argument about whether it's really him or not. Because the only guy they know is a guy who can't see. He has not been able to see from birth. So there's some disagreement about whether or not he's really the same guy. But what they do is they take him to the religious leaders of the t at the time, the Pharisees. Now that's not really unusual 
because the, these religious or these uh, signs and these miracles sometimes needed to be validated by the religious folks of the time. So it's not unusual that they would take him there. But in my Bible, this, this next section has a little title at the top, and it says, The Pharisees Investigate the Healing. The Pharisees Investigate the Healing. And that sends up a little flag for me to investigate the healing. Now, the Pharisees were spiritually blind. They did not see who Jesus was. They did not see why Jesus came. Oh, they could physically see Jesus. But in their hearts, they could not make the connection between Jesus and the Messiah because they were spiritually blind. And not only that, they were hostile to what Jesus was doing. So when they bring a man to the Pharisees that had been healed by Jesus, there's an instant hostility. Not only toward Jesus, but toward this man. Here's a man who's done nothing. A man who has been miraculously healed. But he's treated in a very hostile way. In fact, the story, in my mind, just gets bizarre. It's sad, but it just, it just takes all these bizarre turns. And rather than me try to tell it to you, I'm just going to read it to you. It's from John, again, chapter 9, but beginning in verse 14. And it's a long passage, but, but you need to listen to how these things go and how the, the meeting with the Pharisees goes. It says, Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, and this is important, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They dragged the parents into this. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are Moses' disciples, or disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, and this is important too, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. (laughs) They threw him out. Here is a man who had been blind from birth. He'd been miraculously healed. He goes to the religious leaders, the people who should be celebrating that Messiah had come and all the excitement involved in it. But instead, it takes all of these really weird turns and he ends up being thrown out of the synagogue. Occasionally, we see similar things happen today. But that's a sermon for another time. What happened after that? Well, Jesus steps back into the picture in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man replied, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. We have to realize that at the beginning of this story, to be honest, the man who was healed physically of his blindness was spiritually blind as well. When this story started, this man was spiritually blind. But we find that he comes to that realization that Jesus is who he says he is. And so he utters those wonderful words, Lord, I believe. And how interesting it is that that those who could see perfectly, the religious folks, at the end of this story, they can still see physically. But they're also still blind spiritually. And here's the man who was both spiritually blind and physically blind. And when the story's over with, he has his physical sight and he has his spiritual sight as well. 
All during this series and all during this Advent time, we've, we've been talking or looking at John's stories and talking about the people in them and asking ourselves, in these stories, is there anyone who believes? And if there is anyone who believes that Jesus is who he says he is, what causes them to believe? Well, it's pretty obvious from this story that the religious leaders don't believe. And the reason they don't believe is they have closed minds, they have closed hearts, and they have closed eyes. They are spiritually blind. They don't believe. But the man who was physically blind believes. But you know what? It takes a while. He doesn't believe in verse 1. It's all the way down in verse 38 where, where he finally, he finally believes. You see, it's a process for him. We talked about a man named Nathaniel a few weeks ago and the idea that Nathaniel came to Jesus and Jesus said one thing to him and Nathaniel believed. He got his spiritual sight just like that. But for this man, we find that it's a process. It's a process that he goes through. Now, maybe some of you have known about Jesus and You've heard about Jesus, and you've read about Jesus, and, and you, just, you just can't quite grasp it all, and, and you just can't quite bring it to have meaning for you. Well, this guy here should be an encouragement to you, because it took him a while as well. So I want to encourage you, if you just can't grasp yet the idea that Jesus is really the Son of God, that Jesus is the Savior of the world... If, if you really can't grasp that yet, don't get frustrated. Keep going. He'll keep revealing himself to you. So keep at it. Or maybe you've been talking with someone. Maybe you have a relative or a friend. Somebody that, that man, I've been, I've been working with them for, for years and they just can't quite grasp it. Well, maybe their process is a little bit longer. This man's process wasn't very long, but it was still a process. And everybody's different. And everybody comes to Christ in their own way. So just maybe because they didn't do it the way you did it, or as fast as you did it, don't get frustrated. It's a process. Keep at it as well. So what is the process? What, what does this man do, or what does he experience that causes him to believe? Well, the very first thing is that in this story, there's a divine initiative. The man does not seek Jesus. The man does not call to Jesus about his physical blindness. Nothing in this story says that he was waiting for Jesus. Nothing says that he went looking for Jesus. Jesus walked past him. Jesus took the initiative. He called the blind man, and he healed him. It was his initiative. Now, after the man is thrown out of the synagogue, he doesn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus comes looking for him. It's a divine initiative. Jesus takes the initiative. And the point is that Jesus is the one in our relationship with him that does the seeking and the calling. He's the one that does it. And he seeks and he calls all of us. 
We get frustrated sometimes. When we think, I just can't find him. I just can't find him. Well, it doesn't really work that way. He's already found you. And you don't have to look very far to find him. And he's calling to you. And he's seeking you. And he wants a relationship with you. It's his initiative. And people may say, well, I'm not looking for him. I don't have any interest. Well, it doesn't matter. He's going to seek you anyway. And he's going to call you anyway. And he's going to pursue you anyway. It's his initiative. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That is his mission. And he's going to stay at it. The second thing is that the man allows the door of his heart to be open. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. This, this, this man comes to him and, and that he doesn't know. And he says, look, I'm going to put some mud on your eyes. You go wash in this pool. And he does that. He, he cracks the door a little bit. Because what happens is, when, when he goes after he receives his sight and shows himself to his neighbors, they said, who did this? And you know what his answer is? All he knows is it was a man named Jesus. That's all he knows. But what happened was, he couldn't see this man, but he heard his voice. He heard his voice. Someone who, who seemed to have a solution to something that he had wanted all his life to be able to see. So when this man, Jesus, spoke to him with a possibility of his sight, he, he opened the door just a little bit. And what started, though, is just a little flicker grew into a flame. You need to realize that if you hear Jesus speaking to you, you may not understand everything he's saying. You may not understand everything about him. But you can be like this man. Open the door just a little bit, just a little bit of trust. Just, just give him a, a chance. Just give him a little bit of a chance. Open the door some and let him in. And then what happens, the third thing, is that his faith is actually, the faith, faith develops as it is challenged. Now that may seem odd to you. Because you would think, here is someone who he, he, he knew very little about Jesus. And he knew very little about what had happened. And, and he's going before the religious experts who are going to give him the third degree, who are going to call him all kinds of names, who are going to challenge him on what really happened. They're going to discredit this person that he has a little bit of trust in. But what happens instead of quenching his faith, it just makes it burn brighter. He's opened the door. And because he's opened the door, even in this adversity, God is still revealing to him through this adversity more and more and more about himself. So he goes from just a man called Jesus to in this conversation, in this confrontation with the religious leaders. He says, well, he's a prophet. And then he says, well, look, if he's not from God, then how could he do this? Through all of this adversity, 
His faith just continues to be strengthened. When we open the door to Christ in our lives, when we hear his voice and when we open the door a little bit, and when we start letting him in and and letting him come and and make a difference in our lives, we are going to hear all sorts of voices that are going to tell us, "This, this guy's a fraud, you need to forget this religion stuff. Come on, you, you, this ain't going to do you any good. What do you think you're doing? You have people who are going to really, really, really give you a hard time. Your friends will not be your friends anymore. Now, you can fold and go back. Or you can be like this man. He opened the door. And God kept revealing stuff to him. And he stayed strong. In the face of all kind of opposition. But one more thing. Even through all of this. There came a moment. Where he had to make a decision. Sure he'd heard the voice. Sure he'd opened the door. Sure, he'd been revealed more and more, and his faith had grown and grown and grown. But there comes a time where he has to decide. And Christ asked him an important question. Do you believe? Do you believe? The man had declared Jesus was the healer. The man had declared that Jesus was a prophet. The man had declared Jesus was a teacher. The man had declared that he did something nobody else could do. But Jesus says, here's the thing. You've got to decide. After all of this... Do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man's answer, he, he says, where, where? Show me, show me. I, I, I'm ready. I, I want to believe, just, just show me. He wanted to believe. He wanted to know what to believe in. And Jesus says, I'm the one. And the man looks at him and he says, you're right. You're him. And he believes. And he worships him. There came that moment where he had to decide. And Jesus didn't make it hard for him. He said, here I am. And that's what he does for you and me. Through all that we go through and just starting to hear about him, to letting him come in and to grow and to know more about him and to really get to the point where we think, man, I'm almost there. Jesus makes it easy. He says, here I am. Here I am. And we need to look in his face and make a decision. This man made the right one and he believed. God always completes what he starts. And you know, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your faith and your relationship to Jesus Christ. But even though I don't know where you are, I do know this. I do know that Jesus does not want you to stay in spiritual darkness. That he wants, to have, wants you to have the light that comes from a relationship with him. He wants you to have new eyes so that you can see spiritual things and grow in your relationship with him. 
He has sought you even when you didn't know he was seeking you. And he has revealed himself to you over and over and over and over again. And maybe today is the day that you need to just look him in the face and say, you're right, you're him, I believe. Will you at least today hear his voice, open the door, and let him begin the process in you? And let him begin to give you the spiritual eyes that you need to recognize him as the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray.